welcome to Season 4, Episode 21 of LOI Weekly. They came, they arrived, they won 2-0. Shamrock Rovers were beaten 2-0 by AC Milan. The dream was dead, but uh, those of us who were there, and three of us in this podcast were there, uh, bore witness to greatness, really, in Tella on a, on a strange but somewhat memorable night. That person is Graeme Gartland, who joins us, had an illustrious League of Ireland career, is going to chat about what he's up to now. Uh, involving Shamrock Rovers, no less. And Graeme Cummins is in as well. Graeme, of course, had a very, very uh, long career in football, both across the water and in the League of Ireland, up until very recently playing the League of Ireland. And like an absolute idiot, is now pursuing a career in journalism, <laughs> which uh, by the end of this show, he probably will have abandoned, I would argue, Daniel MacDonald. But uh, anyway, what do you think, Dan? Is, is- uh, nothing worse than journalists going on about how it's a terrible industry to get into, John. You're just trying to be protectionist there just so no one I can am. get into it. It's an absolute scare. That's just a product of your own insecurity saying that. Like, I saw you're going to tell kids just not to go into that industry because basically you just can't, you can't stand the competition. So to mind that, his columns have been good. His, uh, he's <laughs> done some podcasts and stuff himself. So like, he doesn't need any advice from, uh, from us, to be fair. And thanks to our new sponsors, Lotteland, where you'll find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSE Electricity League Premier Division. Check out lotteland.ie forward slash sportsbook. And make sure to stay tuned as we'll be giving out some of its LOI specials during the show. And you'll find us on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with Airsport and Independent.ie. We've lots to talk about. We still have a League of Ireland team, obviously, in Europe. Dundalk are off to a place. I think, Dan, before we get to the lads... This is a place both of us would just love to be in. This obscure pro-Russian kind of enclave on the edge of Moldova playing against Sheriff tomorrow night. Transnistria, yeah. I actually should have gone. So when Ireland played Moldova four years ago, I was at the game and there was a couple of the lads did a day trip on the day of the game, which involved getting up pretty early and going to do it. And I just, uh, I just didn't do it. And I sort of regret it a bit now. I think they had to like bribe their way across the border and they met obstacles at every pass because it's basically Transnistria considers itself a sort of a, a different state you know to, to Moldova it's a breakaway region um, I saw I saw some reference last week to someone saying yeah it's got like uh, what, what was it Jerry Malone or someone talking about the region like it's known for a lot of like cigarette smuggling and other stuff coming across the border and I was like that's enough about Dundalk what <laughs> yeah, about yeah. what about Tiraspol but, yeah. but like the, 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 the point about it is is that actually for the players that are going and uh, the staff that are going, and I mean, the lads are, are there with us. Like they know with some of these trips, like, you know, part of it is maybe you might get to walk around on a day of the game or go for a little bit of a walk or, you know, sometimes, you know, stay even after or whatever. Um, they can't do that now. It's all very bubbled. They're basically in their hotel. Um, they can't leave it. They can't even leave it to go for a walk or a coffee or anything like that. So they can look out the window at it, but um, they're not necessarily sort of, experiencing the place so it's a football it's a football trip in every sense of the word but listen they've got I guess a bit of a chance I think by all accounts um, that they've from speaking to people are involved that they've done their homework on Sheriff and they believe that they're not dissimilar to Selye who they played in the first round the, the team that you think every team in the League of Ireland would have beaten yeah. uh, wrongly but but the, 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 the point about them is that they're not exactly like a possession team. They're more that they beat a team from Luxembourg in the first round, Fola Esch, and they had less than 50% possession. But of course, there's a whole debate now about how relevant is possession unless it's good possession. Well, and they're, and they're, they're actually 
a very effective attacking team. But the Dundalk will have the ball for spells. There's no doubt. And from listening to you know their homework, it's they're more conscious that they've a strong front three or front. Or they've actually lost a, a key striker who's gone. But and their left back is apparently their second best attacking threat. And so, but the Dundalk will have a chance to like have the ball and see what they can do. So. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting one. Like I mean, I, we've got two Grahams on the line, but well, I mean, this this has to bring us straight to Kiev because you know when you think of Gartland, you think of uh, Kiev and what might have been for Drogheda, just over the border in Ukraine, and that must be one of your memories, Garks, of like that proper proper spell you had at Drogheda, and one of the closest one things ever for an Irish club in Europe. Ah, uh, yeah, it was uh, what a spectacle! Like over there, it was, it was. I don't know if you were over there, Dan, but I was. Last, it was one of the yeah. most incredible games I was at. Yeah, yeah, and especially the, the last the last ten minutes of the game, it was almost surreal. It was it was strange. It was the whole atmosphere in the ground changed. They were all standing up. It felt like the ground got closer in on you. Uh, we managed to score to make it two all. Um, I think they were looking for a free, but for my goal, they were looking sort of for a free out. And he never got it. And then as soon as that went in, it was like the atmosphere just changed in the stadium where there was a bit of a, uh-oh. And then we just went up a gear and he started to fold and they were looking around at each other in the bench. Like, yeah, we just got louder in terms of as a group, but we got better. Our intensity went up. And then I think uh, Adam Hughes had a chance where the keeper dropped somewhere. He probably should score from about... I think it was eight yards out, maybe. Was it, Dan? Eight yards out. And then Shane... And then Shane breaks down. Shane breaks down the right and he fires one across and it hits the post. And if it hits the post a different way, it probably falls to Ollie Cattle. And I just remembered, like, every one of us just dropping to our knees, but also they dropped to their knees as well as if we've got away with this, like, you know. And um, we got clapped off and stuff. Do you remember that, Dan? Yeah, I, look, I, I mean... Do you remember they had, was it Malevsky, their star player? It was the number, like he was the, the star, he was the Ukrainian international who was oh, one of their the, star players. The money. Yeah, and he, he oh, got... he was brilliant, yeah. So they took him off with around 15 to go. And I remember the fans in front of us, where they were in part, not party mode, but they were like game over mode. And they were all sort of very jovial and stuff. And then you scored. Yeah. And all of he a sudden... It. He, was giving, he was giving it that one. <laughs> yeah, and everyone, and everyone was done. Yeah. And then you scored, and all of a sudden, I remember at the full-time whistle, I'm not even sure what the Ukrainian religion situation is, but at the full-time whistle, they'd gone from almost were home and hosed and not even watching the game sort of relaxation to after those misses, like blessing themselves at full-time and going, how how did they escape that? Uh, Because they went on to do really well, was it in the... Was it they went on to do well in the Europa League the that year? Round, yeah, but the next, I think the next Spartak Moscow was the next round. Yeah, yeah. Spart- like whoever got through got Spartak Moscow was through. I think, and that's another big one. Obviously, Kiev you consider would be bigger than Spartak Moscow. But I think we took eight of Spartak Moscow over the two legs. Like, yeah, like yeah. we gave them a fright. But oh yeah, it was it was surreal. And in fairness to the players themselves, like. They were very good after the game. They were like, you know, shaking their hands and well done. And like, you know, we got away with this and, you know, all the best and yous are good and we underestimate just that type of scenario. The manager was similar as well. But I just remembered we went down and the drop the fans were in the far corner. But as we were walking down to them, like whatever key, key fans said, he just clapped us like, he just clapped us all off. And 
Like, and then it was a bit like fair play. It was like, you know, fair play is like this, this gave, you gave as good as you got here. But and that's like for us, it's for us in Europe, it was always about like, you know, yeah, we're going to play. We're physically able to match us, which is Paul's biggest thing. Like, how can we physically match these teams? So we, he built us up over the first couple of seasons to physically match them. And then it wasn't about playing their game, like in terms of, right, let's keep the ball and be slick. Yeah, you got to keep the ball and move the ball, but it was sort of about being aggressive when you had the ball, you know. Don't be afraid to play with heart and, and a bit of, not necessarily, um, we didn't go long. We weren't in a direct team. We, we played through, but it was like, you know, let's get up and get at teams and play at a really high tempo all the time. You know what I mean? So, and that's where Paul was good in Europe. He, he was very good at going, yeah, we're good at this in terms of, you know, we're, we're aggressive, we're strong, but let's play up, let's play up gears. They won't play at that all the time. They don't play at this pace. Like, I think we got Scandinavian teams, like Stark, and we got HJK, and the HJK game at home, we were we just blitzed them. Like, we, we, like we scored three, you went one nil up. And after that, he just blitzed them. And it was like so Paul Doolan saw playing. this, uh, he almost saw a deficiency in terms of these exalted opponents you were taking on in terms of sort of intensity that you would have had on the ball. He said, you, you can be better than them. Yeah, in that sense, he said, like, these, like, the, like the Finnish teams and, and, the, and the European teams, they can take breaks sometimes in possession where they'll, they'll keep the ball for five minutes. And it's like, that's when they have their, their sort of relaxing period. And he was saying, Jordan, that time, we're not going to rest. Like, you know, we don't let them rest. Don't let them get the rest on the ball. Like. So he says, make the game a high-tempo game because we play high-tempo football every Friday night. At that stage, like, you could have went to a Shells game, a Bowles game, a Pats game, Derry, Cork. All the games are flat out, you know. So he says, these can't play flat out the way you can. So we're going to go and blitz them. And you... By the way, we had quality as well. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't. I, I don't mean to sound that we played just up and at them football, but it was there was an intensity to our games that, like you know, whenever you can get at them, get at them. Don't let them rest. Keep the keep the. the we'd have a multi-ball system at Daily Mount. We kept the tempo in the game. Like, and the only time we probably didn't have legs to do that, we were away to Helsingborg, uh, Larsen's team, and uh, they just blitzed us. We didn't have the tempo in the team then, and we just. He ran over a stream, mm. like, you know. Mm. Great. So Graham Cummins, I mean, you're, you had a couple of European experiences. That I'm trying to think towards the the, the tail end of your career, right? Since, mm. since you came home, like, what was your European experience like? Uh, with Cork, we played. We were unlucky. I think at the start, we got Warsaw. Um, at home, I thought we done all right against them. We lost one nil. They got a great goal. Um, over there, then to be fair, Warsaw, the the atmosphere was incredible. It was something, and they had like their ultra section was actually banned that night. The stadium, but the heat and everything, and we done again. I thought we'd done all right. We lost the game three 0 but we were kind of going for it when we were one 0 down the way half the kind of in Europe, and then uh, we were we got a boy after that in the Europa League, and then got drawn against Rosenborg. So it was actually kind of a bad thing, and you could see the the difference then, like in terms of the quality of like the League of Ireland standard to like. Rosenborg, I mean, we played them at home and turned across a lovely stadium. Like, but I was thinking of like the away leg, I was injured and I went up to like where their injured players sit and you get offered like 
whatever you want, all your meals, you get a nice box and everything like that. And I'm thinking like Thomas Cross, you might get a cup of tea downstairs and you sit in a cold stand, like, and you just, you see the difference then. And then I was kind of thinking like, this is where like fans sometimes don't realize even the smallest thing, like just the gap in terms of budget. And like people criticize, I think League of Ireland too easy in terms of defeats in Europe. You just expect like, oh, because you can be the team in Ireland, you should be able to beat Rosenborg or something like that. These players aren't good. Like we were playing against like Nicholas Benton and people were saying, oh sure, like he's no good. But then you go, yeah, he's no good. Like when he's playing the Premier League in England, like if we were that good, we'd be in England. Like, you know, so we didn't have a great time there. But like with Rovers last year, then we beat Bran in fairness. But like, some of the quality Rovers players have at the moment. Like, I mean, Jack, I remember Jack going then over that yeah. two legs was phenomenal, really. Like, in the, like, you Dan Carr and even, like, the quality we were bringing off the bench. Mm. Like, Aaron Green came on in one of the games. He was outstanding. And they were very unlucky then. I missed the away game last year. They were very unlucky not to get through that. But I always think, like, I always think looking at League of Ireland teams in Europe, people really do think we should be doing better than what we are. I think I think when you see the levels of the other t- sides, they're a lot better than you just might see their country and just think, I can remember with St. Johnson, we played a team from, I think it was Lithuania, and our manager at the start, Tommy, was just like, I don't know much about them, but they can't be that good, so just get after them. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I know. Game, was. I went to watch that. Was that the home game? He's played yeah. from home. The man scored a cracker, didn't he? Put one in the top corner. They were like 2 0 up after what 10 yeah. minutes. This and is kind of like two lads years. meeting it, meeting in the pub. It's like we actually have a shared history here. We we met before because you oh, did actually... me and Brain go away. Brain will tell you the no, story. Way back, no way, way back. So tell me, lads, yeah, let's let's get the full this full disclosure here of, of <laughs> some so well, Graham Cummins was on trial. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, 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 we, listen, we, this, isn't a, this isn't a courtroom. We can't go through the whole case. But, I mean, what, it was a short-term trial, or what was the, what was the situation here? You, did so you, you, came on, you came on trial at St. Johnson, didn't you, Brian? Yeah. Myself and uh, Kenny Brown so he, came over with you. Kenny Brown, oh. Yeah, and then... So I, I, I played against you when you played for Cove. And you were only a kid, and I walked outside, and you said, "Do you get pizzas?" Remember? Pizzas after the game. Get get you get everything, and I said, "Here, like I said, here you can have that." And he was like, "Oh, thanks." You actually gave him some of your pizza. Did the best thing the whole pizza. Yeah. Was this a draw? Was this? Was this a draw? You gave you gave him his pizza. We, pl- we played them in the cup, I think, didn't we, Graham? We played this in the cup, and I we walked out afterwards. And in fairness to, to uh, Graham, like Graham was one of those boys. He'd be honest, like halfway through the game, he'd go, "Jesus, boy, we can't get kicked." Like you know, and like, he'd, all I'm doing is running, and I'd be laughing, I'd be going, "All right," just laughing, like going, "All right," like you know, Jesus, he was a savage. That's all you'd hear. Like, you know? So after the game, was that, I think we were nineteen or something, Graham. It was. It was the time Cove were in the Premier League. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, we, oh, I think he beat us for five nil or something. Yeah. So, so Drada so were throwing out. Drada were throwing out the pizzas at that stage. Only <laughs> <laughs> pizzas, Different everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I've walked out and I and I've gone. Obviously, I've shook hands with Graham after the game. I spoke to him and I says, um, I walked out. He says, um, did you get pizzas? And he says, here, we can have that. He says, you sure? He says, yeah, go for it. Like you know, he says, I don't eat much. 
And then um, he was like, right, then whatever. I think uh, I got a, uh, the manager, Derek McGuinness, pulled me in. He says, I have two lads come. And I says, who are they? And he says, uh, a lad named Brian Cummins. I says, oh, I played against him, played for, played for Cove. And he says, yeah. And he says, and I have uh, another lad. Ken, uh, Ken. I says, oh, I played against Kenny with Waterford. And I said, um, now this is this story goes arms and legs because I was renting Noel Hunt house. So <laughs> I was renting Noel Hunt house. Noel Hunt had about four bedrooms in this gaff. Like, and I just said, oh, I'll put them up. I mean, I said, put them in with me. I'll drive them into training. They're in training every day. They'd be with me for, the, for a week, like, you know. So uh, the lads arrived in, him and, him and Kenny. In Etnia House and home, they did poor Kenny. Huh? <laughs> well, Kenny, actually, Kenny yeah. Eat, man. yeah, I was like, he's where's he putting it? You know? Talented man, but he was, uh, he done well. That's where, like, like I always said to Dell, like Derek McGuinness, I said, like, just take a chance on one of them. Like, I was talking about Graham because I think about two years later, Graham took off and started banging in goals and then gets a move. And I'm saying to Dale, you know, that's the fella you had on trial here two and a half years ago, you know? And he's like, no way. And I says, yeah, that's him. Like, and you forget, you know? I can remember actually, he ends up signing. I can remember going shopping and you were like, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? Me and Kenny, like, this is the difference between us and you. And we were like, we might go for sugar puffs. And you were like, the state of ye as professional football, <laughs> <laughs> sugar puffs. <laughs> Very, very underrated to be fair. Sugar I forgot all about that. Sugar puffs. You're getting wheat bix of porridge. You're not getting sugar puffs. Paul Doolan wouldn't like that. Paul Doolan will tell you how to eat it. <laughs> but you both you both worked under Paul Doolan as well. I knew, listen, like Gareth, we knew you had a long sort of connection with a. With, uh, with, with Paul Doolan, obviously through Drada, but 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 uh, Graham Cummins also with the Ireland on Twenty Threes as well. You were you were saying, yeah, we had him. Uh, I had him in Estonia with the Irish Twenty Threes, but uh, I had him. I think the Irish Twenty Threes are playing war or in war for with England against England. He tried to call me up for that as well, but I college exam, so I couldn't miss him. Um, but I thought he just. I really liked him working with him, Paul. Like he's just. He was the exact same as Tommy Dunn. When I know Tommy a cop, like just a bit small, bit more experienced, obviously, because he'd been a first team coach longer. But Paul was sound like, I mean, we got to go over there, we got our night out and everything, and that's all you want, really, in the European trip. Not a lot of managers were left you out, like, so uh, he was one of those. He was like, be home at 12 o'clock. We strolled in at four, and he didn't care, like, because we'd won the match. So I, I really like him. I don't know, I guess I thought he was brilliant. That's a more relaxed version of Paul Doolan than I've heard, to be honest. Uh, Guards. Must have went soft. Must have went soft on you. We were straight on the plane after you were This is how would I sum him up? Intense. He was intense. Like he was intense in everything he done. And I and I and he, I don't think he'll apologise for that. And I don't think he's wrong in that. I think it's easy. I realise how hard it is to manage a coach a group when you actually got cross the oil. Like when you go and have to look after everybody. And I look back and even me as a player, I think. Is I was I came across probably needy or a little bit like wanted more praise where I should have just got on with it sometimes you know and you imagine there's twenty of them you imagine twenty of that like every player wants their ego stroked at certain times but he was intense he was very very um, he knew what he wanted and he made no bones about getting it you know this is what you do 
and this is where I want you to do it. And there's no if, buts, and maybe, and there's no discussion, you know. Um, I'd never ever criticise him because he was, he got, he probably got the best out of me. So it's hard to be critical of him in that sense. Um, he, he drilled us to the point where we're airdropped the team, but that's by the, by the mid, we've 06, 07. By the mid 06, like if we went 1 0 up in the game, it was over. You know what I mean? You could actually see we had a good, we had a really good back four, but we had we were so well drilled from the top down. If you went one or two, if you went one nil up, you could actually see this is going to be a great. You could see teams just looking as if this is going to be a great. We'll have to try and break these down because we were so well drilled from from that end of it. Um, but he was, Paul. I think Paul. He was. He, Paul would want you. Paul would tell you how to do everything your whole day. You know. You should eat, you know, I want you to be like this. I want you to ride like this. I want you to leave like this. And when you're at home, I want you to be like this. And that's a very hard thing because it's very hard to manage when you're not at the club, you know. So I, I, I just thought in that sense, it was probably a, a point where you want to control over things that probably are uncontrollable from a manager's point of view. So it, um, just things that you think that's a bit much like. But... Uh, yeah, I, I loved playing for him. At times I did. At times it was fraught. I had I had very tough relationships with him. There's things that happened that I probably I won't go into, but you know, there was you know stuff around probably the Ireland call up. There was other things that happened that I found very difficult to deal with, even when I was leaving. Uh, the stuff I said that I regret and I've apologized to him for. I say, listen, I was wrong. I'm sorry, but and there's times where I wish I could have a better relationship with him. Because uh, obviously I've gone into management and coaching, and he's somebody I probably would like to lean on, but it's never going to be the way it was, you know. Um, and I understand that. But like I, the four years I was at, like I, I think I had the most appearances during them four years. So he played me all the time. I can't, I can't ever fault him for that sense. Do you know what I mean? There's times he didn't back me when I wish he did, but I, but he'd still play me. You know what I mean? Like. I went a whole month without talking to him and just played me, mm. you know. But he just so, tell the assistant, tell Gertz, uh, <laughs> tell Gertz we're doing this, and I go, "All right." That's it's, interesting. You know, yeah, it's 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 it's, 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 it's a whole month. Yeah, manager. Like, you know. Yeah. So like, so, so yeah, I'm just trying to. But then like, it, you'd repair it. You, I'd go and repair it with him, and we'd work it out, and then he'd be great, and then he'd come and you know you'd have conversations with him, and I just he's. It, it's a very hard thing for Paul to let to, to loosen his grip on what he feels is the way it should be. And I think that's probably might have what stopped them maybe getting more jobs in the future because what a talented coach. Like. What that's a it, talented like, coach. That's it. Great. So 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 let's just go back to you two lads then. So Graham Cummins, then you end up in Scotland. Um, did you then encounter each other then? Like when sort of you're with St. Johnston and Gareth at this stage, you're with Dundee, would you have sort of up would you have sort of come across each other at all at that stage? Or? I was yeah. coaching, yeah. Apparently, I was coaching against him, yeah. His testimony, remember? Uh, Andrew's testimony, we played against each other. Cup tie, Dave McCoy. Oh, it was a cup tie, yeah. I thought it was Andrew's. Oh, it was cup yeah. tie, it was cup tie, yeah. We did, you actually managed to Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, nearly got a, I nearly got a mill. How about that? <laughs> nearly, nearly. 
So, but but lads, I suppose <laughs> that the fact that we have you both on and you've both sort of worked in the the Scottish football environment compared to the environment here at home, like how like Graham, like you you you're you're only after retirement literally a couple of weeks ago, so you're you're very fresh in the game. But how did you even find coming home? from Scotland to Ireland having been away for those couple of years and I don't know you're you're probably seeing you you mentioned the facilities in Rosenberg you're probably seeing a better you know better sort of uh, standard and facility and and so on like how did you find it and how did you find the, the contrast between the two in in terms of football wise well but both maybe football but also maybe off the pitch as well and the different i mean there's quirky aspects to the footballer's life in the league of ireland as we know yeah. with finance and a lot of other things well i think well, to be fair in scotland like i think Gareth would say this like there's certain clubs that have much better facilities than league of ireland but in in terms of st johnson they weren't really they weren't really any different to Cork City, to be fair, I would actually say Cork City have a, a better setup in terms of you go in, you're training the same training ground every day, where with St. Johnson, we were travelling to two different locations all the time. Sometimes you mightn't even know where you're training the next day, where, like, I think when I met John, like, he came over, he actually flew over to Scotland to talk to me, and I obviously knew Cork, but he explained a lot more how more professional is, and it wasn't actually a big change in terms of training-wise or facility-wise. I thought, like, Cork, I actually thought was better because St. Johnson, like I said, I just kind of bugged me, like, going from different location all the time to train and just leave your stuff in the one place. Um, in terms of then, though, but the games are different, obviously. Like, I mean, playing at, I found, like, obviously you played Celtic Park and now you brought some things and they're unbelievable. But, like, when you play... When you play the likes of like Ross County at home or something like that, League of Ireland atmospheres are much better. Like, I, I still think that like when Tornus Cross is full, it's incredible atmosphere. Like the crowd was right in top, yeah. But again, it was only it's only certain games in Scotland you think like these are really good games to play. And other than that, you kind of think to yourself, I can hear the man with the dog up in the stand, like, and it's dead. You're playing in the empty ends, like so. There's like. I don't think there's a big difference in some of the games. Like, and in the standard, there's not that big a difference. I just, I think when you look at it, I think Scotland would try and sign a lot more lads to lower teams. But realistically, lads don't want to go over there unless they're making a big difference in their life in terms of wages and things, which mm. I don't think they are. Like, if you're playing for Dundalk or Shamrock Rovers at the moment, I wouldn't see any point in going over to Scotland when you're happy at home. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was going to say, like Michael O'Connor has has gone today mm. from from Waterford to to Ross County. Um, like, how, but in terms of Le- he's gone, he's gone to Ross County. Um, your former club, Michael O'Connor. Yeah, so like, so yeah, so on Wikipedia. So, how do you think he'll do? Like, you would have played with him, or you've you know you've been sort of around him, Graham. Like, in terms mm. of. Levels wise, how do you think he'll find as a striker, like as a as a front man, as a sort of a you know a physical number nine? How do you think he'll fare? I think he'll do actually really well in the league. I think like mixed problems sometimes is just getting his fitness, and I think he will concentrate a lot more when he goes over. I think he's he's an incredible lad. To be fair, he's, he's brilliant in the dressing room. I thought when I spent a few weeks down in Waterford with him, I thought like what a guy to have in your dressing room and having your team. And he actually love soccer like he I know how proud he was to be Waterford captain 
but again you can't you can't like begrudge a guy at the moment because I think it's different now when you're playing with Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers to Waterford like I mean mm. Waterford were all against going back playing in the league so you don't know what will happen again in a few months time down the line what clubs are going to be happy to go back in the league if we stay in the current situation so he's dead right next I think he will do really really well like I mean when I went up there I started really well I was a lot older than Michael so he's got a lot of time to develop as well and I think I think everyone can actually tell that there's a lot of potential in the kids and he just like I said he'll go up there and I think he's got his head right now and that was probably a problem with him in the past getting mm. just his mental state right but he's he's a very driven lad and I think uh, sometimes he gets a reputation that he doesn't deserve really like he's he's much better than I when I didn't know him I'd heard things about him but he couldn't be forward from that. Yeah, it's funny. Alan Reynolds would have said that, like how great he was around the dressing room. Just for you, Garth, obviously two games there. Um, is there anything we can learn from Scotland from your experience there? You also played for Ross County. Oh, yeah, I was on loan there for a month, actually, uh, with Willie McStay. Um, wow. He was very good. Yeah, Willie was brilliant. Um, I, I think what we le- I think the thing with Scotland, and, and, and Graham will, will test, testify to this, Scotland is all about Scotland. You don't you don't care about any other league other than their league, and and it's an issue that I something that I always touch on when I discuss between the two the two um the two leagues. You know we we've played AC Milan or Rovers have played AC Milan and there's a there's a big buzz around it, and I, and I get a bit of press. But see in Scotland every day there's something every day in the papers you're eight pages deep in, in three or four papers about Scottish football every day. There's a discussion about the pros and cons. If I came on and I was negative about the league, you'd have people saying, well, Graham's negative about League of Ireland or, or Garth's is negative about League of Ireland. But what, what they do is on radio shows and the BBC radio every every night on, on uh, Clyde FM, there's discussions about football. They're talking about it, positive and negatively, but, that, but it's out there all the time. So there's a massive discussion about it. So it becomes like more of a business more business orientated than I think the League of Ireland here. So even though like people say, oh, you shouldn't criticise the league, I, I wouldn't agree with that necessarily. I think that I think a healthy discussion around the league is better. I think once people are talking about it, like if, if Graham has an argument about the league and I come on and counteract that, but we're discussing it, people are talking about us discussing the league and it just creates more um, link towards the league and I, ju- I just don't think we promote it enough I don't think we're proud of it enough um, I love it it was brilliant I, I love the league it was brilliant for me were you like, proud of it last year yeah I was I thought it looked fantastic Tallis Stadium looked brilliant if I hadn't come back and played for Longford I don't know what I would have done you know I, I probably wouldn't have been in the game so it saved me in that sense as well uh, gave me it ignited me ignited the good friend of mine Sean Dillon as well so you lose a lot of players without the league, and I, and I think we need, I think the bodies in, the, and the, like, see the stuff you do that you say, right, we're just going to do a podcast, we're going to talk about it. It's great. Like, now, I could be negative on the podcast, and someone could be positive, but you're still creating. And I think Scotland do that a lot better than what we do. Um, in terms of the football, obviously, the, you've probably six or seven teams that are really good. I, I agree with Graham. When I left Rotterdam and went to train at St. Johnson, I was like, was a part of me thinking, oh, like we didn't, we didn't know where we were training. You packed around, 
there was no gym, there was nothing. I went from a brilliant full-time setup at Trotter to thinking, what's this like, you know? And I suffered. I really suffered in the first three or four months. I went backwards. I didn't play well. Didn't know whether I was going to stay on. Uh, so it was, yeah. And I agree. The three o'clock kickoffs over there, if, there's, if it's a dull game, like Graham says, if it's St. Johnson against St. Mirren or, or one of the games where it's, you know, there's not a great atmosphere. Or the game might be great itself. But the atmosphere would be low. Where I think the Friday night games over here, if it's a really good game, the atmosphere is high. I think an evening game, you get more of an atmosphere at it. So I think they need to probably consider sort of maybe having more even time kickoffs. They have a lot of half twelve kickoffs for Sky, and that like half twelve kickoff. It's dead atmosphere. So I just, I yeah. Think, yeah, it was a dead atmosphere. Like even we, by the way, like a lot of them would be like Rangers at half eleven or twelve o'clock on a Sunday morning, and you're thinking, guys, it's a great game, but the atmosphere isn't as good as it should be, you know. So I agree with Graham on, in that sense, but I do think that I do think they run it better as a business, and I do think it's promoted a lot better, like you know. Graham, like you obviously have made the decision to retire, and I think you know you've you've spoken about it. I think in you know I know you do columns with the the Echo, and and you've articulated your view that maybe like I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can tell us, but you basically you were looking forward to retiring almost. You weren't necessarily enjoying the last sort of uh, spell of your career. Like why was that? You know, and is part of that? I, I know you were obviously that Waterford experience about whether they were going to even going to come back or not. And I think around that time, you were sort of vocal enough that you were worried about, you know, football in this country as a, as a job um, for the rest of, of the year. I mean, do, do those fears still linger, even though you're out of it yourself now? Um, to go back to the original question, I suppose, I actually really enjoyed Waterford this year. Um, I think Rennie leaving was just, the final in the coffin for me, like I, I was hoping to stay on and he was brilliant to work with and I was actually really enjoying my football again. I was enjoying training, which I never really had. So when he kind of left, it kind of made my mind up. But um, like with football for me, at that, it's, it's about enjoyment. It's about playing every week and it's just about like no pressure. And then when you hit 27, 28, it becomes a job. It becomes your living and you've got people literally shouting against you and you're thinking they're going to get me out of the job. How, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, it, like, because I, I firmly believe that managers may not say they do, but managers do listen to the crowd sometimes and they just go, oh, they don't seem to like that individual because the crowd will keep a manager on the job as well. Like, you know, if, if how tough is that actually, Graham? Like, because, you know, you've, you've lads on a Friday night and they do what they do, but like, uh, there's a lad there who's getting abused or he's getting a slagging and it, you, you're a person. Yeah, no, I, I 100% like, think that. I think it was it was a big factor in me like wanting to finish up because obviously being from Cork, I, I thought towards the end I was getting a bit of abuse, not towards the end, even towards the end of my first spell before I left last one, I was getting a bit of abuse and I just thought to myself, this is like literally my family are up here. It was different, like if you're in a different country, it's not your hometown club. Um, Just my family and I'm walking on the streets. I'm like, is this person going to abuse me and stuff like that's that was a good thing about playing in the UK like no one knew who you mm. were or anything like that I always was a firm believer in like don't like live in the area where the club is because you're just open for it and you walk down the street 
And it's like it's like anyone, like I mean, John, I mean, someone comes into your office and is shouting abuse at you while you're trying to write like an article or something, you're not gonna do it well, are you? And you like every bone in your body wants you to turn around to that person and just tell them where to go, but you can't do that either. Like and even like I was saying, if you go on social media and you get a load of abuse and you say something back, you'll end up getting fined by the club and you just think like this is just ridiculous. Like, do you know what I mean? I can't say boot to someone, but they can say every word to me and it was it was just one of the factors for me that I, I, I suppose said, what I what I can't get around as well, if Graham Combs is up front for Cork you weren't the fastest lad in the world, right? But you, you actually worked hard, very good in the air, scored a lot of goals. If you were up front and you're playing like a prima donna and you're not putting your effort in, you're, you're, to me, you're sort of entitled to getting abuse. But if you're trying and it's not working out for you, I, I just think that's very disparaging for the player, for the individual. And I think it's so wrong for a faceless guy on the terraces to do that to somebody who's actually trying and it's just not working out for him. I, I 100% agree with you in terms of someone actually not trying or like pulling out of a challenge, then then I think like, well, we're actually paying a good wage. But like you said, sometimes if you're if you're really trying hard and you can you know the lads are actually trying, you can tell, like, I mean, you don't need to be you don't need to be knowledgeable of football to realise that this guy's actually trying, he's running around, look at him like he can't even breathe because he's trying. And that that did affect me. I always kind of prided myself on like or at least I'll always give a hundred percent. And I thought it got to the stage where people were even thinking I wasn't even running around the place. And I was like, I hasn't got to that. Like, I always run around. And especially sometimes as well, when you're a striker, you could be, you're the one player on the pitch, I think, that relies on everyone else in the team to play well, for you to play well. I mean, this centre half to have a good game if everyone's doing terrible because the ball's in his air. If you're a striker and you're playing, like, say, I don't know, the best team in the league or away, like, I've played in Dundalk in games. And the ball's just been lumped up to me, and I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. Like I've been running around like a headless chicken without the ball, and then it just comes up to me, and no wonder I can't hold it. I'm out of breath, like I've no energy, and you're fighting two centre half muscle heads, and you just think like, and then the crowd are just abusing you for like not holding up the ball, and you go, but like I'm getting zero service. You don't understand, like I can't. What do you want me to do? Like it's either that or I just stand here, and I, I might be strong, but then the manager comes at you, so. It's, that's just one of them things like and I agree with you like I, I do fully agree that if I look at someone and I say he's actually not even trying that does that annoys me like I've gone to games where I've gone like he's winding me up now because he's not even trying but if someone's trying you can actually generally see it then I think crowds should get behind them but 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 you, like you then go, go from Waterford to Cork but then you've obviously made the decision to to call mm. it pretty quickly like what what drove that um I was like, to be fair, I think, like, during lockdown, I think in my head, I'd, I'd retire. Like, you know, that kind of way, I thought the league isn't going back. Um, get yourself ready. You're not going to be playing next year if the league goes back next March. And then there's always in my mindset, when we when we were going back, I kind of got that buzz of, yeah, we're going back. This is great. And I went in training, and I just I just lost, like, any bit of love for it. I was just like can't be here every day. I was just thinking to myself, I just want to go home. And it was nothing to do with the club or anything. It was just me. I was just done. I was just thinking to myself, I, I don't have to fight anymore for this. I I literally was just like, I'm just having another season. I'm just playing for the sake of playing. And it was just going in training, going like, like what am I going to do in a few weeks? That was just, That's always in my head. I think I was talking about this last week to someone. I said, with football, like, you're always on an up. 
and then you hit an age and you're always coming down you're never going back up again like and that's the way i was going i was just going boom 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 and i was thinking to myself i'm i'll be 33 now do i really want to scrap for another club again next year you know i might come to that stage and i just thought like like cock are in a bad like way there they need people fighting from and i'm not the guy for us and i thought like don't hang around if that was the case and i just thought just go go get a job and yeah get security it's interesting i mean Garrett's like you've had the experience now of like every player goes through this you know that they, they come to the end eventually and and some you know see it coming i guess and some you know don't you know and, and they're hang on but you've now had the experience of working as a an assistant manager and and you're also doing stuff in the academy at rovers which is obviously different age but did you learn a lot more about the like mentality of players when you stepped out from being a player yourself and looking after number one to suddenly being an assistant and having to you know have a different role in a dressing room and you probably encountered a lot of maybe players who 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 felt what Graham is talking about there? Yeah, yeah, we we inherited that at, at Dundee. We inherited a group that sort of been at the club probably three or four years, and we were trying to maybe you know um, transition that. And that's hard because there's certain players that don't want to, you know, they want to hold on to the power that they have at, in, in that particular club. So we were trying to transition it to get maybe you know, 23, 24, 25 year olds into the team that would carry the team for two or three seasons. You know, we we, we, we were lucky to, we got a good few right and got some wrong in that sense. But we wanted, like we had the, we went from having the oldest squad in the league to having the youngest squad in the league were in six months, like, you know? So with that becomes, comes a naivety as well. Or it was, yeah, there was a lot of lads transitioning and, and you're dealing with that where they're not able to do what they used to do. And like I said, I could relate to it because I, was, I went through it. I agree with what Graham's like, you know, in terms of myself, I was different. I, I, I went through that while he went to Shamrock Rovers, you know. I, I came back, it was my local club. I wanted to play there. I lived in my mass. You're walking down the square and you, you get abuse. And I'm thinking, my whole game was built on trying... I just can't do what I used to be able to do. I'm sorry, mm. but it's not through lack of effort. How hard was that when it's kind that's of a thing hard. that you're just getting older as well? Yeah, it was just my, like, you know, I, and I, I, I take a bit of blame myself. I'm, and in that, where I take the blame on myself was I should have changed my game. I still wanted to play like Graham, at, uh, the Graham Garden that played at 23, where I, I wanted to follow people in and be aggressive and hit them and, and head things and be the one that the centre back that was on the front foot, where I should have played, maybe used experience and dropped off and read the game better. I still wanted to be dominant, Graham, um, in terms of just getting to the ball and things. Where so I take a little bit of blame on that myself, where I should have realised it. But it is like, and I had I didn't start getting back injuries, which I lost the yard, and uh, and to be honest, I couldn't afford to lose a yard. I wasn't quick enough as I was, so that yard affected me, but. It's hard because when you see it with other, it's like a boxer, isn't it? Sometimes you're the last to know, you know, um, and you're still thinking you can do it. So, yeah, I, I, I think I have a lot of sympathy for players going through it. Uh, I have a lot of sympathy for players who go through it, like that have given everything because they wanted to be a footballer, but, you know, maybe have turned down opportunities. 
of a steady job at 20. I, I turned down the apprenticeship at 20. I turned down other jobs at 26 because I, I still wanted to be a full-time footballer. And then when you retire at 31, you're thinking, what have I got now? But, you know, you chased your ambition and you lived a dream. But then you go, you sit back and you go, well, what are we going to do now? So I have a lot of sympathy for them people. Um, because what does your life entail now? So, Jordan, I, I work for a company called um, Mercury uh, Mercury Security Distribution. So I just started that in the last month. Um, so I had a, I was going to go back into full-time football. I decided not to. I decided uh, just to leave us. I do that during the day and then I coach in the evenings. Like I just go up and coach up at the academies and I'm just trying to do as much as I can to keep busy. Like I just like, I hate having down days, you know? So I tend to, I work that during the day and then I'm on the phone and even trying to do a bit more media stuff just to, just to do things, you know? I just like being active and I just like talking football. Like, you know, I just love it. I look like, see, I haven't spoke to Graham in ages. I met Graham uh, I met Graham when we played against the Matt Dundee and then I came, I was home for the cup final and I was talking to him then last year after the cup final. You do a mean well. impression so, of his accent like, now. It's just, uh, I don't know, my Cork accent's not bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, like, it, you know what, like, and uh, you try and help them, but you know they're coming to the end and they're trying, and, and the thing is with players that are coming to the end and they're looking at coaching, they're actually, can be very opinionated on what you need to be doing. You know what I mean? They're the ones that will go, what are we doing this session for? And why are we doing this? And, you know, this, is, this isn't this is great. Or this, you know, and you're looking at them thinking, you're going to be a coach soon and you're going to have someone picking holes in your session. So, like, relax, like, you know? Mm. Um, so, uh, like, so to, to Graham Cummins, like, you're, you're, what's your life plan now then? Like, you are thinking about the media stuff. Like, this is on your agenda, but you're also doing a few other things. Or what's your... What's your focus? Um, well, yeah, I would, like I, I do like want to do a bit more media stuff. I think I can be a bit more opinionated now than I had been in the past. Um, obviously, I don't think you can just jump straight into that. Like, there's no, uh, I, I've gone for uncertainty for the last few years. Um, so my plan was uh, just get a full time job, which I did. Um, handed in my notice this week <laughs> um, oh go on that no it's just literally do you know what like when when you're working a job all the time football i thought like doing nine to five sitting in front of a desk would be something i could actually enjoy um but it wasn't so <laughs> it, no but like do you know what I, I thought like some people might say what a waste of time that was but it's i kind of look at it as a positive because i thought to myself you know it's something i don't want to do no might take lads a few years and then um, I just met a fella a few weeks ago speaking to him and he said do you ever fancy doing like insurance and stuff I met his boss last week and he that's why I handed him my notice I wasn't stupid enough to walk away from a job but I met this guy last week and he offered me um, an entrepreneur course with Acorn Insurance um, to be qualified financial advisor so I'll be starting work with them in a few weeks and then there's journalism on the side, but like speaking to them is more of my alley of going out, meeting people, talking to people, not just being clocking in the hours and getting it done, like a bit more flexibility. And that's kind of the life I was used to. And you kind of, you get to walk around your own kind of hours as well, just like they pop in, which I seem to be very flexible. And it was, it was just something I thought I'd get, I'd get on with really well. And um it seemed it definitely suit me more. So that would be me, you know, and I'm quite really happy about that. Like that's 
where I'm, I mean, I got a family to support and a house mortgage is paid, like mm. it, gets, it gets pressure because you know time's running out where mm. you want a job there that you know you can do for the rest of your life. Well, before I'm trying to think, before we get let you go, lads, just a couple of, I suppose, current affairs thing that you can both help us on, I guess, with your first-hand knowledge. Graham Cummins, can Cork stay up? What's the challenge they face? It's the million-dollar question. Um, I think I kind of addressed it in one of my recent columns, like, against Rovers, I watched them, and again, like John said, like you can criticize teams, but just the lack of effort. Like I, like I said, I don't want like to criticize lads or show them, but I just thought like they gave up so easy against Rovers. And I know speaking to a couple of the Rovers lads after, they thought like halves will stay up because they said there's a lot more fighting halves, and it's basically between them two who goes automatically down. Like even at that, like I said straight away at that game, I thought this is set up for. John Caulfield coming back and like I would if you're betting man like John Caulfield coming back against Cork like I'd be betting on John Caulfield at this time the way Galway are going oh but, Jesus you're, you're, uh, I tell you if you got abuse from Cork fans before now you're going to get something Caulfield is going to relegate Cork yeah look I don't think I think like like they might come out like the game against Harps this weekend is massive I think like the winner of that or whoever Cork can't lose. They can they mm. can go up there and get a point, but they can't afford to lose that game because I think obviously Bally Buffet there's nothing nice about going up there. There's not a nice pitch. The weather's meant to be awful again, like so that will show. I think if Cork go up and get something there, it does show that there's a lot of fighting the lads. Do you think Brian, do you think they're set up? Do you think they'd ever be set up to go and get a draw? Like would they ever because I know the no, way he wants to play, like no, generally so Never, he, 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 you know what I mean by that? Like, would he ever like? Would he be pragmatic enough to go? Well, do you know what? We, you know, let's not get B here because I know he wants to. And I, I know from talking to the Rovers lads, that some of the first team boys was like, you know, a lot of two of their goals came off back basically transitions. Mm-hmm. He won the ball back in Cork in the in Cork's like area and then went and scored like Cork's Cork's force toward of the game. So. Like would he would he go and say, listen, we're not going to play out as much. We're going to be a bit more pragmatic. Would would Neil do something like that? I, you know what I mean. From from the Neil I know, you, you want to play a lot, you know. Yeah, like I, again, I've recently I've only wrote about this. I think, like in fairness to Neil, he does try and play football the right way, and yeah, he's trying. Like I think he's set up for a whole season, and the way the things have worked out, like. He's still trying to play football and credit to him, but I think the way Cork are now, like you said, they're like, they seem to be kind of costing themselves by trying to play out for the back. And there's so little games left. This league, yeah. right, if you work hard, you defend well, you'll score from a set piece or something like that, and you'll get out of the trouble. I don't think, sometimes I don't think you can actually play your way yeah. out of trouble, as people would say. I think they need to put, I think the guy Simpson is a handful against Rovers things went up to him and like even though he wasn't winning things I don't think like Lopez or Grace were winning headers off him and I thought like they have, have Kit Elliott back now as well sorry they have Kit Elliott back as well now. yeah like I think he'd help but I think get someone quick up there next to Simpson against Harps and just causing problems like that's like I think playing trying to go up the Valley Buffet and try to play football you've no idea what the pitch is 
and it's a risk. It's a risky game. And I've never gone up to Bally Buffet and come away from the game going, God, we played well there today. We played every time I've gone up there. It's like that was disgusting. We've got to win. Let's just get out of here. That's that's <laughs> exactly what Cork needs to do. That's what I would be telling the players this mm. week. If I was in that dressing room. Do you room, think that that's what my question wasn't? Yeah, I'm sorry, you'll probably ask doing the last job here, but that's what I'm thinking. Are you able to do doing a better job? Are you able to do that? Are you able uh, to play disgusting? Are you able to do that? I think, well, yeah, are you, able to play, are you able to play like pragmatically, like you know? But is that like, yeah, but I would put that down to someone's ego. Everyone in the world, the hardest thing is to play beautiful football, it's easy to play. Horrible football, so that's that's ego. Then, like, do you know what I mean? If the players don't want to do it, then that's their ego, as I would point that. So I think every single player, if you're a professional footballer, you're able to stand there and kick a ball forty yards. So it's up to their egos. Then if yeah. they say, I, "I believe in this," it'll get us out of trouble, which I think is the way mm. to go forward. Because mm. I think every like I know, like, and sometimes with with John, like people might give up to him, but what Coffee loves what brilliant because he's efficient and he's all about the result and that's a good thing sometimes I mean he won a lot of trophies at Cork and like people sometimes he got a lot yeah. of criticism but looking back and I know I think Cork would like do anything to be in that position of playing ugly football and winning trophies all the time yeah so 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 Gareth I mean just before we let you go I mean your old mate Stephen Bradley I know you are involved at Rovers so you you know you you have a very good idea of what's going on there but I suppose if you take your way, take yourself out of your involvement and just look at it sort of from a neutral perspective, I mean, they do look like they are going to win the league. They look in a very strong position to win the league. Like, you know, I, I, I guess you're pretty happy for him that he's managed to get it, get it working there. But like, have you even from afar, have you, like, what, like, how have they got to this point? Like, you know, you, and Graham, of course, has been there too. So he can, he can talk about it a bit as well, maybe, but, like you know, the pressure he was under. Like he, he could have got, you know, Stephen could have been sacked a couple of years ago. Or certainly, if you'd given the fans a referendum at that stage, I think a lot of them would have voted for him to go. You know, after that game, I think it was at Dundalk where they lost five two or something. And yet now here they stand on the verge of winning the league and and you know playing well against Milan. Like how, how has he done it? And how good are they? I think I think they're excellent. Um... I think what he's done is he, he, he's made sure that uh, the majority of the group buy into what he's doing, buy into what the club are doing. So it's, it means something to play for the club. I think he brought that back to the club. Uh, the people that deserve credit are, are Stephen McFarlane's credit. Like he, Jonathan Rhodes deserves credit as well for probably sticking with him through that and trusting, trusting the process. He had a process which he stuck to and, and it's worked. I think it's. I think Cork have obviously helped in that they've they haven't been able to sustain whatever they wanted. They were building under John, whatever financial reasons they haven't been able to. And um, last year, the dock were excellent, but I think they've self-imploded. But from Stephen can only look at the Shamrock Rovers, and he's made them a force. Like, so he, he was challenging the dock last year, and anyway, so he's made them a, a force that's ridiculously consistent now. They're um, they're strong. They've they pace at the back. Um, and they've such creativity in the midfield areas. I know Aaron, Aaron sometimes, Aaron Green might get a bit stiff for not scoring enough goals, but they're set up to score goals behind it. It's the second line, you know, it's, it's Jack Bourne, it's, it's Graham Bork, it's um, obviously Danny Lafferty popped in with a few goals before he got injured. So 
how he's done it is that it's been a gradual building process, which means that it should last. You know, if you if you if you have a quick fix, it tends to go quickly. So what I think what what he done is he built it gradually, which then you're hoping will have a sustained success for the next three or four seasons. And I and I I genuinely think for the next three or four years, I I, I do think they'll dominate. It, you know, I can't see anybody, and even with and especially with the COVID stuff, ever building something that they can go and challenge them again. I don't know what's going on at the dock. Like obviously I know Vinny as well. I played with Vinny. I don't know what's going on that a manager who nearly won the treble loses his job. And um, you know what I mean? Where they are still in a chance of doing things. So they've obviously implored. I can't see them building something in the next two or three seasons that's going to challenge Sherman Grovers. I can't see any club doing it. Um, our infrastructure is there. We're our, we're our second team as well. So I think the whole club deserves credit for sticking for sticking with a plan like, and not basically panicking when everybody else did. And as, as coming from somebody who went into a job that we were given a plan and this is what we're doing and the chairman panics, like, I appreciate that. You know, Obviously, uh, Stephen deserved massive credit for steering them through that and sticking to his principles and sticking to what he wants to do. Um, and I admire that in him. And I think uh, the whole club deserves credit. So Stephen Bradley will always talk about his group. And he says the group is this and the group is that. And he's right, they are, they're together. And I think the bigger group bouncing is together as well. Like, you know, and that's that's the most important thing. There's no chinks in it. You know, nobody can get out rovers. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, lads, I have to say it's been great to have you both on. And we'd love to have you both on again because there's a lot of stuff we wanted to discuss. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get back to it at, at another day. Um, but yeah, it's been great to have you with us, Graham and, and Graham, and maybe we'll hear more about the sugar puffs and the other uh, other trial stories uh, in future. Yeah, but tell them, tell them tell them the one, Graham, when you when you talk, you recognise the famous person in our dressing room. Remember that? Oh, one? go on, go on. Does Graham remember this? Remember that. It's all new Ah. <laughs> So someone needs oh, to tell this. Weird. Someone needs to tell this. Brian will tell it in his Cork accent because no, no one understood it at the time. Nobody in the dressing room understood what he said, and I just looked at him like, you know. "Go on." Is it is it Neil McCann when I walked in? I was like, "That's great, pretty famous over there." Is it? Is it him? We were calling. We were calling him Terry, weren't we? We were like, "All right, tell, oh, that, tell was it, that was it." <laughs> <laughs> And he turns around oh. and he says to me, he says to me, he says to me, that fella Terry over there, he says, he's the bop off Neil McCann, boy. It was the thickest cork accent ever. Like, bop off Neil McCann, that boy. And I went, that is Neil McCann. <laughs> and he tore, he turns to Kenny Brown and he went, I told you what. Of <laughs> Like that, and Neil's look. Neil just didn't understand the word he was saying. He was just looking, at him and he's looking at me, going, "Is he having a pop at me?" I went, no, no, no. Like you know, every time I see, every time, because I tell Neil, I talk, I still talk to him, like, and even he just be like, every time he says somebody looks like someone, he says he's the pop off him. Graham Covens, the legacy lives on. Cheers, Thanks, lads. lads. Pleasure, lads. Uh, Thanks a lot. Good to see you. Thanks a million, lads. Don't forget to visit lotoland.ie/sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SEC or Tristy Premier Division. This week, Lotoland is boosting a Premier Division home treble of both to beat Derry, Pats to beat Shells, and Finn Harps to beat Cork. 
currently 8.35 boosted to 9.5 at 72 visit lotofland.e forward slash sportsbook yeah got a credit Dan for putting uh, those two lads together um, I Graham just, and Graham. It's Graham the two Grahams it's always kind of fascinating to go down memory lane but uh, I think you get kind of just an insight into the life of a footballer and the life of a fella who was a footballer and just the challenges even from Garth's there in terms of not having down days and just keeping, you know, that motivation. Um, and yeah. You know, I, I just found it very interesting, Dan, you know, the, in fairness, you got Graham Cummins come on the show, but it's not a very real stuff there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he could have done an hour even with either of them, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And, um, uh, like, every footballer has a story, and I, I suppose, you know, putting those two together was probably an element of, uh, you know the the crossover of their experiences and 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 Scotland and Ireland and and uh, but it's interesting that they both had their struggles as well towards the end with their maybe their body not being able to do what they wanted or you know just just various reasons they they struggled with with maybe the aging process and and not being as good as they were or not being as good as people think they should be and I think you know a lot of footballers would probably relate to that in in some shape or form but um. Sometimes, I guess, being able to articulate that is half the battle to actually be aware of it. I think some people reach their awareness maybe later or not at all. And uh, mm. I suspect we'll be hearing probably a lot from both of them in the, you know, in the, in, in the coming years. But listen, we, we've got through a full hour without talking about Galway, really. There was a I John know. Caulfield reference, but Galway... Yeah. Galway on the charge. On the charge. To be fair, obviously, we, we could we, we don't really have time tonight to discuss what happened in Tala. Um, the League of Ireland games at the weekend were significant in their own right, but I suppose it was Tala where um, you know the chat was. It was it was a remarkable night and so on. We'll talk about it again. But yeah, like we obviously had Caulfield on recently, but um, I suppose through convenience, I was at the Cabin TD game and uh, just the Drogheda game last night as well Dan you know Brandon Kavanagh scoring twice and then Mark Doyle getting a hat-trick for Drogheda there's an awful lot going on in the first division but the game the Cabin TD game was just nuts goal would go down to 10 men a game with uh, you know lots of chances but you know you're thinking they're going to hold on for uh, a draw here but I, I just got this feeling from them that Caulfield doesn't believe this this is lost so he brings on Young Wilson up front for a bit of pace with 10 men, takes off in the current, very brave move. But Wilson has pace and he's figuring Cabantilio will be stretched a bit. Wilson Weru wins a free kick from which um, Christopher basically puts the ball into the back of the net, top corner with this kind of free goal last minute. Place goes bananas and John Caulfield strikes again. And it's just unbelievable. And they're playing very entertaining football. After the game, I spoke to the captain, Shane Duggan, um, and this was literally three or four minutes after the game, see could he get his head around it. It's here with Galway United, uh, skipper Shane Duggan. That was that was a mad game. Uh, unbelievable. Um, the effort the boys put in from the start all the way to the end. We were down 10 men, uh, kept fighting, plugging away, and we got the rewards at the end. I felt um, we had some very good chances in the game, especially in the first half. Their keeper pulled off one or two top-notch saves, but um, credit to the boys. They kept digging in and got the three points. You've been around the game a long time. What difference has John Caulfield made? Because that's two really late winners now, and obviously you're on a roll. Yeah, look, it's we all know John from the league. His team is always fight to the end and really difficult to beat. And I think that's that's the main thing is keeping clean sheets because we have a lot of pace in the in the team, and he knows. He gives the boys license to get forward with the pace, and it's up to everyone at the back and keeping clean sheets is the key. And because um, we know we'll create chances in this league, especially, and 
uh, showing now that's two clean sheets in a row so uh, hopefully we keep it going well, the changes he made as well bringing on Wilson obviously made a big difference definitely yeah look his pace is, is frightening you know and you've seen at the end he won the free down the line and one or two breakaways as well he was causing havoc um, so he had that threat especially on this pitch it's, it's huge you know and their defenders aren't the quickest so he done really well when he came on What's it like just coming off the pitch after a win like that you've done it already against uh, obviously Shamrock Rovers B and tonight was very very unlikely for most, most of that game it's, it's massive you know because as I said we're on a bit of a run now you know it's our fifth game in a row and we're building momentum and that's what we want it's a feeling you're going to the pitch every game you're thinking you're going to win the game and credit to the boys and even with John he, he said keep going to the end and these boys do you know and their fitness levels are shown as well um, they look really strong at the end even when we were down to 10 men What's the standard like for you in the first division back this year some good players there Yeah definitely look um, there's a lot of young players coming through as well and it's good for them um, there's always four or five teams in the first division who have a lot of good players you know and every game is a bit of a battle so you have to be up for it every week as you've seen Wexford last week they're, they're down the bottom half of the table but if, if you're not up for a battle they'll, they'll make things harder for yourself and last week against Wexford we weren't great but we came through that as well so that's a sign a good sign when you're not probably perform at your best but you come away to win Time is running out but uh, where can you finish if you keep going? Listen it's, it's just up to ourselves you just take every game as it comes and we're not really looking at any teams around us. We're just focusing every game, picking up the three points. And I think if we do that, we'd be well up there. Talented team, this Galway team as well, and talented young lads coming through. Yeah, definitely. Look, yeah, Galway underage always have good young lads, and it's about uh, getting them onto the pitch and getting game time. And I think John will spot that as well with the young lads there. There's a lot of talent there, and even during the 19s coming through, we played them a few times in 11 aside friendlies, and some fantastic players there. So hopefully, next couple of years, future's bright. It seems to be a real self belief, and just you're enjoying it a lot. Yeah, definitely. Look, at when you're winning games, it's, you have that winning feeling. As I said to you a while ago, that um, you're going onto the pitch and you're, you're feel you're, you're not going to lose. You know, and you're going to win those games. And even that's twice now we score goals in the last minute of the game for winners. You know, and other times you might be conceding there, but you see the boys defending as well at the back. Unbelievable stuff, throwing their head, throwing their bodies at everything. And, Hopefully we keep that going. Just finally, what's it like to be playing behind closed doors for so long? Are you nearly getting used to it at this stage? Do you know what? I, you are kind of getting used to it, but hopefully now for the, the last few games, if a few more supporters can get in, you know, because it's a shame for them, really. And as, as Galway is, uh, have a, a great, fantastic fan base, and if we're in around that playoff spot, you know they'd, they'd come out in force. But look, if we can start building a few more fans coming in every week, that's all we can do. And Hopefully we can. You always ask another question after I say finally. <laughs> but uh, what did John Caulfield say to you there afterwards? He was just delighted the way we kept going, defending. He always just wants honesty from us. And once you give 100% and leave it all on the pitch, that's all he asked for, you know. And he was just delighted the way we were defending, keeping clean sheets and making it at the end. That's what it's all about. Moving on, we gave out Lotto Land Premier Division price booster. This week, they are also offering a second price booster in Europe. Back to can target to win the Europa League qualifier away to Sheriff, currently 4.5, boosted to 9-2. And that is the best in the market. And as Dan says, if they perform, they have a massive chance. So, Johnny, who was more excited, Shane Duggan or you? Ah, it was... In fairness, Dan, like to win a game that where oh no, we don't need the match report again. Like, who was more no, excited? like probably Pat Dolan actually. He was at the game, he's been at more Galway games than I have, and he was very excited. Um, uh, the, de- you know, the deal maker, 
the deal maker. Um, to be fair, Dan, they were under the cost that much. It looked, it looked a million to one that this could happen. And the place went bananas. And Cabin Teeley players were absolutely sick after the game. This was a massive blow for their chance. I think they've lost four out of five now. So they've derailed a bit. And just the Caulfield effect, the players are absolutely buzzing. And they believe in what, what he's doing. This, you know, got into a very drunken conversation one of them the other night about what the Caulfield effect, and he said, "It's man Mandarin with him. He just makes." I hope he feel. wasn't drunk. Uh, I, I do as well. I do as well. But uh, yeah, it's just it's great and giving away too much there. That's that player's done. It's uh, it's 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 sad that you know the season's nearly over, but it's going to be dramatic. And uh, it was it was amazing stuff. And Bray are playing Drogheda now on Friday night. Um, Lots of big games coming up, obviously. Yeah, but it's funny, like you, like you started off the show, we're talking about Rovers Milan. To me, like Rovers Milan is gone. It's over. Mm. It's in the past. The Rovers, Rovers have played Waterford since. Rovers are on the way to winning the league. Well, Dan, that, that game, by the way, the Waterford game. So I remember I did text the group and I said, Waterford are doing really well here. This was five minutes before the start of the Cabantini game. So I'm watching the game in the bar, which is now a press room, whatever it is. Next thing I look at it, it's 4 nils or overs. It's just like Watford were actually well in this game, doing well next thing to 4 nils. Yeah, it was almost like last year's title race for you, really. I feel bad, but you did bring it up. You did literally put it into the group at, or what's it, at just the right that Watford doing really well here. And before even people had seen it, uh, the Rovers had scored three goals. It was sort yeah. of a... But I mean, what, you talk about Rovers, Banana, people don't realise like uh, how big this game could be in, in Terrace Ball tomorrow. Like... Mm. The yeah, fact that the, the, today, yeah. the, the winners of the, the dock game um, you know, are at home to a team from Georgia or the Faroes next Thursday. Um, so, if anything, for Rovers and for everyone, it just shows that the Champions route is where it's at. Mm. If the Champions are, you know, if you're in the Europa League, you can play AC Milan, and with all due respect, you're, you're pretty much done. And they, they would have had to play two more tough games after that. The dock have had. You know they 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 haven't had a good European campaign yet. Here they are in a situation where, and as Filippo Giovagnoli said today, he thinks if they play to their best, they'll qualify for the group stages. Do you have any faith that they can do that? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I do. Do you think I do, they, they believe I, in I, the I know, and... I, I know you don't. I know, I'm not and, saying that. I just don't know what to result, expect from them. As, I don't know what to result, expect from them. As a result, you're not like enthused by the game and you're talking about no, no, it's, it's games not, that I are think, over. I think, I think this is a game I'd love to go to. I just don't know what to expect from a team that's kind of half been thrown together under an obscure new management and has had a turn. Yeah, I, I get, but listen, all I can say is that like they're definitely playing with a new, renewed vigour mm. and with a purpose. And whether that purpose is good enough, I think like they're actually... You know, I think before they were probably too conservative in Europe. And I think now they're probably going to be the other side. They're going to be open and they're going to leave chances. And they need to be defensively better. Listen, if they're not defensively better, they'll get wiped. They're in stuck, yeah. But they're definitely showing more attacking thought, I think. You know, or certainly, you know, that they're trying, like, the positions that, that Duffy and Kolovic were taking up against Shells. And even Sean Murray played quite well in Andorra. There's definitely a couple of players that have got a bit of sparkle back. And I think, listen, part of that, I think, you know, of any part of people would say that Kolovic was always going to take time to settle. You know, some players were injured and you can't just link it all to new management. That's not fair. But there is no doubt that for whatever reason, just, you know, things have been freshened up a bit. And I think they've got a chance purely because Sheriff are not as good as they used to be. Um, Sheriff three years ago and then Dawg in the current form, no chance. I just think... You know, Sheriff are, listen, they have a cosmopolitan squad, all different nationalities. 
strategies. New players, like the, their main striker's gone. They bring in a guy from Panathinaikos on loan. They've, mm. you know, they've a Brazilian left full who I think is apparently their second best attacking threat. I think I mentioned that earlier on. Like they, they're 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 decent, but I'm just saying, like the route that the dog have. If they, like I think basically, if they did return to their best form in a 90 minute game behind closed doors, uh, I'd give them a chance. Whether it's wow. Well, it's good enough. We'll see, but it's funny. It could change the whole complexion of the club season here if they if they do something. So that's looming. Listen, if they lose, you know they're playing Rovers on Sunday. You know Rovers will fancy themselves, and the Dock are pretty much back in crisis next week. Really, mm. you know. So they just have a, a brief window of hope to get something from their season. But yeah. we've got we've got the Dock Rovers on Sunday. That that uh, is yeah seven seven thirty on Sunday. Yeah, we have Finn Harps and Cork this weekend. We have the first division, as you mentioned. There's lots to discuss. I guess, you know, we'll get back to it in probably more detail next week, the, the pulling it apart. Um, but we are sort of getting to the stage, which is good, where pretty much every game means something. Um, and actually, ironically enough, it's nearly the title race in the Premier that has the potential to be wrapped up before everything else. So maybe like the neutral perspective is to, to want Rovers to drop some points to, to give us something. Um, but otherwise, you know, we're still going to have a run in for those European places. You know, Pats haven't scored in ages. There's a lot to discuss, but we'll get back to it next week. Yeah, it's uh, and yeah, like there's just there is so much going on, and there were obviously interesting games. The Pats uh, Derry game was fascinating. Both kept the job done. And um, Nuki Byrne getting a very harsh sending off. Fan of the show, friend of the show. Very unfortunate in that Harps game, but uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very interesting week. Best of luck to Dundalk. Have to say, if ever there were, if ever there was an away trip for me, this is like this obscure post, post uh, previous current Soviet enclave, and Moldova genuinely looks like one of the greatest shitholes in the world. Yet this place is still pro-Russian, um, and as you mentioned so eloquently, it's part of this kind of border almost like bandit region. Uh, I've watched a few videos on it in, in my day and I would absolutely love to be there. We're not there anyway. We are here. But yeah, you got, you got the Cabo instead. Anyway, right. Got let's the Cabo. Let's got go. The Cabo. And uh, yeah, the bar was a, was a media center. Let's go. Right, thanks again to our sponsors, Lotto Land, where you can dream big for your Euro millions and Irish Lotto betting. Lots of check out Top SC or Tristy League and European qualifier markets at lotoland.e forward slash sportsbook. And thanks a million for the two Grahams for coming in. And thanks to Dan. And see you next week. But there are limits to your life.